Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, as well as a pastor at North Valley Baptist Church in Mission, British Columbia. On the show today, we have filmmaker, actor, pastor, and the creative director of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. His name is Joel Gordon. So thanks so much for being on the show with us today, Joel. Yeah, no, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's just take a, a moment to uh, to hear from you, who you are more personally, how you came to know Jesus, perhaps, um, what life looks like for you right now. Just take some time and explain who you are. Sure. Yeah, well, I uh, was born and raised in Toronto and uh, grown up here and grew up in a Baptist church in Toronto called Willowdale Baptist Church. Came to faith at the age of six, was uh, pastored by an evangelist. And so that's part of my spiritual heritage, having this uh great man of God mentor in my life who was an evangelist and who also led me to Christ at an early age. Uh, soon after that, my uh, around that time as well, my parents came to faith. And my whole family started to, uh, to journey together and to draw closer to Jesus uh, as a family. And so, so those are sort of my, my roots uh, as, a, as a believer. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and where has that taken you today? Like, what's your life looked like? Yeah, well, you know, speaking of family, that's still one of my passions. I have uh, four kids and a newly adopted dog, and uh, <laughs> we have a, a busy household. But one of the things that I'm really passionate about is asking myself and my family on a daily basis how can we walk with Jesus? So not just on a Sunday morning, but every single moment of every day, how can we connect meaning and the truth and the beauty of scripture to everyday moments of life? So that's one of my greatest challenges right now as a, as a father and as a content creator. You know, how can we journey together as a family to draw closer to Jesus and to draw closer to each other? Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. We're going to be approaching a subject that we wish we didn't have to approach, uh, and yet in our day and age, uh, it's just so important that we do, and that topic is racism. Racism has obviously been an issue for millennia, uh, but perhaps this year even, it's sort of taken, I don't know if center stage is the right way to put it, but it's definitely been in a lot more people's minds lately, at least in North America, with various events that have gone on from the beginning of the year. So before we dig a bit deeper here, Joel, I think it's just really important that we define terms, especially on such important subjects. So maybe as a way to begin this conversation, what are we talking about when we talk about racism? Yeah, it's a good question. And it is somewhat of a fluid term. I mean, it's it has evolved in, in meaning over the years and racism has a different color to it depending on where you're located your geography and culture uh, but i think some just foundational pieces before we get to the definition is that i think it's important to raise the fact that racism is both a societal issue and it's also a sin issue and as we we think about a definition 
At the EFC, we have a, a working definition that racism is a form of discrimination that values and privileges some groups of people above others and denies the personhood of some based on skin color, descent, national, or ethnic origin. Um, and so that's, that's sort of a, a broad definition that we're using. Uh, and, and as well, I think one of the key types of racism that's important to talk about is uh, systemic racism. While you know some people may not relate to or may not see themselves individually as being racist, it's sometimes harder to understand how they're racist by virtue of being part of a, a system that upholds racist ideologies that you may not even be aware of. So whether we like it or not, uh, all of us are connected to some degree with racism. Yeah, no, that's that's helpful. And you, you kind of led into this next point that I wanted to kind of um, unveil a little bit. And the, the way that I think about the question is, you know, can someone have racist beliefs or behave in racist ways? Or like you use the word ideology, have this ideology of racism without even knowing it. And I guess that's the aspect of the systemic racism you're talking about. And I think for a lot of people, and I'm sure Joel, you've had conversations with, uh, with some uh, about this. Some people because they were not the direct uh, victimizer of, of some racial behavior, they feel like they are, you know, innocent of having to, let's say, confess or repent of something that they directly did not do. So how do you, how do you work around that? Um, I don't hope that makes sense. How do you work around that? How do you uh, kind of coach someone, help someone through uh, systemic racism? Yeah, maybe that's the way I can ask it. Yeah, well, one of the the things I, I questions I like to even ask of myself is, you know, as I, as I think of racism and even think about the spiritual side of it and um, how my relationship with God helps me navigate this conversation, I ask myself, am I sitting in silence with Jesus or am I sinning in silence? And the way that, that that relates to the topic of racism is that I think sometimes, you know, there is a time when we just need to sit and be still and be silent and have a, a listening posture and spend time in, in solitude and, and being quiet, reflecting on the person of God and and his truths and how that motivates our actions, but, but just being still and quiet. And there, there's definitely lots of scriptural foundation for that posture. But then there's a time when we sit in silence and where we may actually be sinning by not saying anything. So it's possible that we can be racist by not responding to racial injustice that we are directly connected to. So I'll give you just a brief example. In Nova Scotia, there are several uh, landfill sites, toxic waste dumps that are situated in the backyards of indigenous and black communities. Now, by virtue of them being placed there, that means that others are privileged by not having toxic water, by not having land that is filled with, you know, harmful chemicals and right. where their communities are not ridden with, with cancers that are directly related to their environment. But those sites were intentionally placed in those specific communities and people are living today continue to live in these communities that are environmentally hazardous 
So if yeah. there is a church or a community that is privileged by not having a, a toxic landfill in their backyard, how, how should they respond? Or should they respond at all? Is it, you know, they're not the ones that decided that a landfill site should be adjacent right, right. to an indigenous community, but they do benefit directly by not having a landfill in their backyard. And so they, sh you know, they share the same portion of God's creation. And so how is God calling us to respond to that kind of systemic racism? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's a great question. And um, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought a real example that's happening right now. Um, uh, well, it's happened in Nova Scotia. I think that's important. Um, you know, you just asked the question, how does God want us to respond? What does um, God say about the, the realities of racism, the realities of this prejudice against certain kinds of people. What does he say about this? And I'm, I know for you being a pastor and, and, and so on and so forth, uh, you've obviously searched the word, you've listened to the spirit in terms of this. How does God, um, yeah, how does God respond um, to this kind of, of racism? Yeah, I can definitely speak both from a pastoral point of view, but also personally, as I've wrestled mm -hmm. through some of these questions, you know, even asking myself as a racialized person, how can I be both, you know, subject to discrimination, but also maybe complicit in being racist, even though yeah. I am, am racialized myself? And so I think about five different truths from the Word of God that really help me navigate through this. Okay. Um, and uh, I think one of them is to have a listening, learning, and humble posture. So the more that I can really humble myself in the presence of God, listen to him and listen to others. And before speaking, just, you know, really have that as my, my posture that that has really helped me to navigate these conversations. A, a second idea is just being reminded that all people are loved by God. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. Right. And, yeah. uh, and, and it's such a simple truth, but such an important reminder. And mm -hmm. flowing out of that, we're then called to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And that type of biblical love involves a sacrificial, life-giving, others-focused type of love that transforms yeah. the lives of people. And so how is God calling us to love our own neighbors? How is God calling us to love our neighbors? That's an important question where it may mean we actually have to sacrifice uh, something because we're following the model that Jesus gives us for love, right? Um, another idea is that we're, we're created in God's image, that people are created in the image of God. Um, and then connected to that, you know, we all have equal dignity and value. So these are real foundational biblical truths that we can, we can anchor um, our response to racism in. Yeah, absolutely. Joel, I love that. Um, I, I remember seeing online a, a while ago, 
something to the effect of, you know, I want to be colorblind. And I, and I understand the heart of it. The heart of the person was trying not to, you know, make distinctions. But I think it would make most sense to be able to see those differences for what those differences are and appreciate them. And thank God that he's created us so diverse. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. So um, I hope people can uh, hear that and, and embrace that because I think we would see a big change if, uh, if we started to appreciate that. Yeah, and it's to also understand that being different doesn't mean being deficient. And even though we have this belief that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him, that doesn't make us better than those who don't embrace that truth. It doesn't make us superior or you know, have the right to take land from someone because they don't hold the same convictions around the person of Jesus as we do. Uh, it doesn't make us in any way, shape, or form better or or entitled. And those are some of the things I think as Canadians that we have to wrestle through because the founding of this nation, unfortunately, used some biblical references and, and biblical ideologies to to take land and to violate treaties and these sacred solemn covenants that were created even the language of treaties talk about uh, these covenants that we enter into nation to nation that are still uh, legally valid today yet um, not many christians or canadians know about these covenants and we're covenant people right we're a people who enter into uh who god has called us into this new covenant in jesus christ so the idea of a covenant the idea of a treaty isn't uh foreign to us or it shouldn't be foreign to us so anyhow that's just one area i think as a church that we could really investigate and learn more about is our connection to the land our connection to the land as as people who are called to be good stewards of the land yeah yeah and also uh you know people who are called to be in uh, in right relationship with our brothers and sisters i want to move specifically to canada lots of our listeners are obviously from from canada and you you are unique in that you're you're one of our um, uh, guests who is canadian which is just so awesome when we have canadian guests on i think a lot of us joel and even you just bring up this idea of land and these trees and covenants and even for myself I'll confess and say, I, you know, I didn't really realize that and I haven't studied that. And, and you probably are not surprised. You're like, well, you're the majority. Um, but how, where do we see uh, racism in Canada? And maybe, maybe this could be your way now to just kind of speak to some issues that you see to many listeners that maybe are quite just unknowledgeable about it and maybe ways that they're even involuntarily participating in that you would like to bring our attention to and then we'll work towards like what does it look like to actually begin to see uh some change so this could be a six-part series right here <laughs> so i'm going to try to speak as specific as possible and i'll and i'll share a bit from my own perspective i'm currently on a learning journey as well as you are as we all are and when i think about this community i live in a really really beautiful suburban neighborhood like every day every step i take when i go out for a walk i just thank god for the blessing that he's given me of this place that i call uh -huh. home but i'm learning more about the history and how my community came into being 
and I live on, uh, you know, this parcel of God's creation that was formed through the Williams Treaty. So that's the treaty that um, informs where I live, just north of Toronto. And in the 1500s, there was a Huron-Wendat village that was um, that was here, that was home to the Huron-Wendat First Nations. And they had a huge, huge village here, a settlement. And some recent research and archaeological findings have found that this area was actually like similar to the New York City of the 1500s. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was an entrepot, this trading hub for all of North America. And they found a, a pre-contact axe in this neighborhood that I now call home. And it, they, they traced it all the way back to Basque, Spain, because it had an imprint. This axe had had an imprint on it um, from this village in Spain. So it, it wound its way all the way you know, across the Atlantic from some fishermen who then traded with uh, various indigenous groups, and it made its way into this community north of, of Toronto. I mention that because it has, it has such historic importance that now even the government of Canada is archiving the artifacts that were found here, and um, it, it now has national importance and is actually reshaping the way we understand Canadian history. And there's a documentary made on it as well. If anyone has Amazon Prime, they can uh, they can watch The Curse of the Axe and learn more about the community that I live in. But the reason that I'm, I'm mentioning this is that when my community was first developed about 16, 17 years ago, and knowledge of this historic site was coming to the surface, it was completely disregarded. This um, in incredible history that now the government of Canada is trying to preserve, the local authorities and those who were developing the land did the bare minimum that was required, and they neglected consulting Indigenous uh, groups who were neighboring and nearby. And the land was developed in a really disrespectful way where they could have had, you know, a, a recreated Huron-Wendat village. There's so much that could have been done uh, to remember the presence of Indigenous peoples past and present, right? Because they still share this land and, and, and there are uh, people who, who are still here and are living and, and vibrant and have so much to teach us. But so much of the development of this community has been done in a way that has not honored Indigenous people. And now I live right on top of this historic site. And a stormwater pond was built on top of the heart of this village where this axe was found. So that, that grieves me. That really, you know, saddens me that I now benefit and live in this incredible community um, but the way that it was developed um, was not honoring. So how does that, so, you know, you ask the question, well, how does that um, lead me into the future? How can I be reconciled 
with, um, you know, with, with my neighbors and with the history of this land. And that's a deeply personal work. It's a collective work, but it's also a personal work. You know, we all have to ask ourselves in our own contexts, how are we participating in different discriminatory practices? Um, are there things that we're ignorant to or not aware of that we could learn about? You know, what treaty, what treaty are we on? Most of Canada is connected to a treaty. Um, you know, what nations have shared this land that we live on? And so I think the conversation around racism in Canada is inextricably bound to the history and the culture of First Nations peoples. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's so good. And you know, I think that your story there, just about Stouffville, where you're from, and 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 you're working through it. I think that in itself is the example, maybe the the application that we can all start with. And just like you're now, you're now asking us, like, where, what treaty are you on? What you know, what other nations have shared the land that you're on? And you say it's personal. And I, I understand that if if we started to look at it more personal, like where am I living? What am I benefiting from? And we see maybe the the stories of discrimination that have come from the past, it would broaden our perspectives. It would also pierce us in individual heartfelt ways that would actually lead to a better way uh, to bring bring solutions because it would be from the heart because you've done your research and you've and you've learned this this knowledge, not pretty knowledge, but knowledge of of where you're on. So I think that's, I think that's really important, Joel. I think that's a good way for listeners and myself included to, to begin to, to do that. And we, you know, lip service is one thing, but it, it begins with just understanding, right? Um, and then we can allow that to actually uh, change, change us. I, I, we're just about at the end, Joel. I know there's so much more. And like you said, we could do a six part series and it's true, but I, I kind of wanted to ask these last two questions and maybe you could just answer them like, quickly, like we don't have to make them long, but just, I want to make sure that if someone's listening who right now we've been talking about racism and the back of their minds, they're thinking, man, I I wish Joel and Isaac knew how much I have been the brunt of racial injustices. What would be the first thing that they ought to do? What can you say to them right now to, to sort of help them? Oh, that's, that's a a pretty, I don't know if I can do that service in a in less than a minute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, you know, it's that's such a a multi-layered question. Um because you know, before you can even respond to someone else, I think we have to understand where our own heart is at. So I think it requires some personal heart surgery as well, to, you know, asking ourselves how how does my heart break today for those who have experienced injustice uh, and does it break and if it doesn't break then where am i at with this gut with this call that god has placed on on me to love my neighbor as myself yeah yeah absolutely and, and if my heart doesn't break for my brothers and sisters then you know there's some work that that i have to continue to do and you know what we we all fall short right? We all fall short. There are at times when my heart doesn't break and I have to sit at the feet of Jesus and ask God to break my heart for those things that break his heart and to really ask him to soften my heart towards uh, different people um, and, and circumstances. 
So I, I bring it back to the introspective work, the, the work of yeah. the spirit that we have to be willing to allow God to do in and through us before we're offering advice um, to others. And, and for everyone, I would start with really just listening. I think listening to what others are experiencing and learning from them, because not only are we humbling ourselves to listen, but we're also... There are, there are things that we can glean and learn from others uh, in the situations that they're in. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And you emphasize this relational aspect, sitting down with someone listening. Um, well, if we're online and we're, and we're doing research and we see statistics, we see all these things, sometimes they won't affect our hearts because there's no real people, names, faces, stories, testimonies attached. Uh, so I, I think what you're saying here, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, sit down with someone and talk with them, hear their name and just hear the story that they've been through and the the more not general persecution they faced, uh, but maybe the more specific and it will it'll affect us on a greater degree. Joel, is there anything else that you would love to say before we wrap up? Yeah, for sure. Just rifting on the idea of relationship building and how important that is in responding to racial discrimination one of the initiatives that I am working on at the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada is a relationship building platform. And it's using a book called Indigenous Rights and then pairing up Indigenous and non-Indigenous people together to get to know each other, but to then also unpack this book together. And it's being developed in association with a not-for-profit called Reconciliation Thunder. Uh, James Thunder is the name of the person who leads that organization. And so we're, we're collaborating and I'd invite anyone who's listening who'd like to get to know someone who comes from a different background and who may be uh, an indigenous uh, person and hear some of their perspectives. Or if you're indigenous and you wanna get to know someone uh, who's non-indigenous and journey through this book, uh, feel free to uh, email us at the EFC or reach out to Reconciliation Thunder on Facebook. That's so good. Joel, thank you so much for sharing with us on this very important subject today. And just to our listeners, I mean, we just scratched the surface, but I hope and I trust that some of what Joel uh, talked about today in our conversation, you know, specifically piqued your interest or got you thinking in a way that maybe you haven't thought before. But anyways, Joel, thank you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us today as we discussed the important subject of racism with Joel Gordon. You can learn more about the ministry Joel is with, the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada, by going to evangelicalfellowship.ca. And lastly, if this is your first time listening to InDoubt, I'd encourage you to check out InDoubt.ca. There, we have tons of articles on subjects of life and faith, as well as over 240 podcasts with guests from around the world talking about critical issues with a biblical perspective. You can find it all at indoubt.ca. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi, Ben Lowell, CEO of Back to the Bible Canada's In Doubt. 
If you listen to today's program, you're either a young person looking to understand how the Bible speaks to current issues of life, faith, and culture, or you're someone passionate to see young people grow in their walk with Jesus and understand the Bible. We want to thank you for being with us and encourage you to touch base by emailing info at indoubt.ca or in the U.S., info at indoubt.com. Also, we want to let you know that Indoubt is a ministry that only exists through the support of donors. So every gift of any amount means so much. For more information, visit indoubt.ca or in the U.S., indoubt.com.